Summer Tuppin. Having a blast. Summer Tuppin is now in the past. Because it's September, and that means it's fall, and that means you're with listening to the podcast known as Trapped Under Plastic, the podcast you started listening to because you thought it would motivate you to paint. Wap <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That is a good one. Yeah, we don't motivate much in who, this. Who uh, brought us that one? Uh, 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 Mr. Pablo Albornoz. Thank you for shitting on our podcast, Pablo. You're banned now. <laughs> Bramble Ramble. Yeah, we uh, we got something a little, little different. A little, a little different in this episode. So we recently had Uncle Adam and Vincey V. Uh, on the mothership here we did two weeks ago yeah and we wanted to get time with both of them on the podcast Mm -hmm. but we didn't want them both on at the same time because they would probably explode the internet yeah it's too much man meat that and also we don't have enough microphones in space yeah that's they don't need to know about that (laughs) (laughs) so we we did a full sit down with uncle adam and so the main topic today is going to be that but in order for us to like talk about the things of that are topical topics mm. preamble rambles what we painted newsy news we needed to you know record when it was relevant so that was in the past but it's also in the future because you're not listening to it yet go scott preamble. wow i mean this is a throwback to the guest episodes of of your right yes. when we uh when we used to record an interview and then did the other things afterwards so yeah okay all the preamble rambles i have been playing games like Crazy! Wow, you crazy, crazy man. I played Marvel Crisis Protocol mm. with my, my buddy Ryan Bega. Um, my review of that game is my first playthrough. There's nothing that I noticed that was wrong with the game that felt clunky, that felt burdensome. Um, like I wasn't like, wow, this could use improvement or like anything like that. I never felt like that at any point in the playthrough. Okay. But also, I was never like, holy shit, this game rocks! I can't wait to play more of it, you know? Oh. It's kind of just like... This is a, this is a solid game. It's great. It has mechanics from other games that I enjoy. Nothing feels bad. It has some unique things that I enjoy, but nothing was like jumping off the like the game board telling me that I had to play this game. I think that's something that we maybe failed an opportunity to talk to Vince about in the last episode, and that was, you know, in his design process and the honing process and the you know the making boxes process, like. Mm the importance of the catching someone, the exciting someone to make them want to play again. Like how do you quantify that? How do you go about doing that in his, what appeared to be like a very scientific process of constructing a game? Right. Yeah. With Vince, of course, absolutely scientific. Right. Uh, (laughs) But it's much more emotional in like your feeling. And I guess everybody's different. Maybe that's true. Yeah. Maybe it ties back into the core of like, who, who is my audience? What's really going to catch this for them? That's exactly what it is. And, you know, I appreciate Atomic Mass games because they could have just phoned this game in 100% because their target audience is people who like Marvel, which yeah. is huge, right? Yeah. But they didn't. Like, the game is super solid. But, yeah, it's like it feels a little identityless in terms of, like, a rule set. Like, Guild Ball is, like, do you like hardcore, like, competitive, like, not as much, like, uh, luck-involved games. Like, this is the game for you. And it, like, makes itself known. Like, uh, AOS is, like, huge fantasy battles. So it has, like, an archetype that it lives inside of. 
And I don't know if uh, MCP did that so much, but I'm going to play it more because one playthrough is not enough to really, you know, get a game's vibe, right? Really you can enough. throw fucking buildings at people, okay? What? That's sick. I heard you can, like, smash someone into a building and shit, and then they're like, they you fall. can. Yes, you can do that, but also if, like, your weight, like, your, your size stat is, like, compares to the size stat of a piece of terrain in some way, you can throw, like, airplanes or, like, cars <laughs> at people. So I, that, that actually is really cool. Wow. All right, other games. I played a game called Super Fantasy Brawl, which is, like, an arena-based 3v3 fight. Uh, you die, you respawn, you fight, and you're going for objectives, you're going for kills. First five VPs wins. And as someone who loved arena in world of warcraft oh this game this game ticks every single box okay it's great you draft a team of three people from like a selection of like i don't know maybe 12 to 15 and then uh your, your opponent does that as well back and forth and then you fight it's just it's fast paced like it's actually fast paced i know games say that a lot but uh it is and uh it's great it's a good feeling game it's very self-explanatory there's not a lot of hidden mechanics um but there's good strategy in it oh that's that's an interesting combination that I think is maybe not as easy to achieve as you'd think. Mm. Fast pace, easy mechanics, and strategy. Yeah, I like think that feels feels cool. It is, yeah, it, it, and it is. Okay, other ones. I played Bloodborne for any of the, the, the Dark Souls fans out there. This is more of like a looter, dungeon crawling, but you're not, you're not in a dungeon, you're in like a, a, an evil city. And like you, like basically, it's the kind of game where you move tiles, and each tile you move, like you explore a new one. You like flip a tile, like you played it, like get that before, right? I, I've I've not played Bloodborne, but I played Dark Souls. Yeah, okay. And well, they're basically the same video game, so it would make sense that they're very similar. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate. There's one rule in that game that I appreciate, which is whenever you don't know the ruling on a game, you always pick the uh, outcome that's worse for the player, <laughs> <laughs> which just feels very Dark Soulsy, right? Um, but it's great game design too because you don't have to catch every hole yeah 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 catch all i'm not the biggest fan of like looters and dungeon crawlers um so that game didn't appeal to me a ton but had a really fun combat system that i think was good uh i played a rising sun another eric lang cool many or not game Mm -hmm. similar to blood rage similar to what i believe Ankh is um very cool aesthetic to that very cool yeah it felt it felt super similar to blood rage and that it's about area control and there are like other tracks on the board to like worship the various gods and things like that. Um, it felt very similar to that game. Um, and then lastly, I played Black Rose Wars, which was a game by Ludus Magnus Studio. It was a 1v1 wizard battle. Wizard? Wizard. Uh, I love the game in theory. Uh, there's just so much going on and so much oh. rule bloat that it kind of impacted the experience. Those are my 30 second reviews of those games. Thank you. Scott. Thank you, live audience studio. I mean, you just went through so many more games and you've played so many games lately that makes me kind of (laughs) jealous. I I've been playing a lot of games lately, a lot of a single game lately. Oh yeah? It's Magic the Gathering. (laughs) (laughs) Um online? uh, No, I've I've been going to tournaments. I went to the pre release. I uh I got went got first place out of twenty four people in the pre release uh Dominaria United last friday that's fucking awesome dude congrats yeah, yeah so and then i'm going to a draft tonight nice. i'm going to a draft on sunday <laughs> dang dude i'm getting back into this i realize how much i really really enjoy this game and it's tough though because it's like i i'm at this weird i feel like i'm pulled in two different directions right because i feel like if i'm spending my hobby time like 
building and researching and playing this, I'm not doing miniature war game stuff. And it's not that I don't want to. Um, and I am scheduled to to play a game of Warcry with Blair, and we're going to schedule a game of Age of Sigmar to go over the new rules together too. Nice. So I took your advice on just play one game, and yeah. I think with both of those, that'll get me excited. I'm not all enveloped in magic where it's like it's e- eating away my potential time. It's also just kind of something nice. It's a little bit different. Um, mm. When you're all day you know, your eight to five job is so much around minis. Mm-hmm. I think there's something healthy in having a little escape. That's a little different as long as it doesn't be all encompassing. So I totally agree. I did not take my own advice and I instead started up a age of Sigmar escalation group. <laughs> trying, I, trying that again. I had the inclination when you out of the blue texted me and were like, Hey, did you ever start up your escalation AOS league uh, in your local area? And I'm like, that seems like a question someone would ask when they're trying to do that same thing <laughs> themselves. I am. And yeah, I'm trying to find like a rule set for it. Cause like I, I would tell you, do not do Path to Exile. Path to Exile, the video game. Uh to glory, I'm assuming. Path to glory. Yeah. yeah or yeah, yeah. yeah, don't get together and play Path to Exile and think <laughs> your army gets bigger. It actually doesn't work. The army doesn't get any bigger. I don't get it. Path to Glory. My very first one we did that. It's it's fucked. Um, <laughs> I think you did the AOS 2.01, right? Yeah, but they're still they're still very similar. It's 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 the same game, but it's not the same game. Um, what I would say in the second one we did our, our second escalation league, we just did a points increase across the board. Yeah. So it was we started. You know, you start with whatever you want to start with as many points as possible that people would be comfortable with having yeah we figured right. that out we're gonna do 500 points and we're gonna do the t- game's so fucking dumb at 500 points I know. but it's still but the people- point is to have a painted army right oh you're gonna require the painted with yes ah uh, okay so i i'm a little torn um everyone expects me to play vampires and that would be easy because i i think i have basically a 500 point army painted mm-hmm. but i really want to play ogres but i don't know if i can paint 500 points of models. I'm going to give everyone a month before the first game. And then we're going to do 250 point increments. And we're going to increment the points every month. And there's mm-hmm. a game every two weeks. So you play two games at your point amount. Cool. And then we increment. And so you have a, a month leading up to the increment to paint your next 250 points. Okay. So that feels okay. And then at every thousand points, you can reorg your army if you wanted to include a bigger, badder monster, right? Because 250 isn't enough for like a like a vampire lord and zombie dragon, for instance. Oh, so you're just straight up adding. That can get a little bit wonky with the points. Yeah. Stuff. Like if something costs 300, you... I mean... Exactly. There, there, so, are certain mo- there are certain armies you couldn't play in that league. Right. So we want to allow for, at those bigger milestones, 1,000, 2,000, to like, say, take out a unit of zombies to make space for a bigger, bigger model. Okay. But like... If we're playing an escalation campaign, I kind of I feel like there should be some fun mechanics outside of individual games. Mm-hmm. But like I th- I'm totally on board with what you're saying about Path of Glory, the 3.01. It's just there's so much shit going on. It's kind of like it's just gobbledygook that doesn't really add to what you're trying to do. Yeah, it's like a ton of post battle like maintenance you have to do. Well, then, and then like you get and get these artifacts and weapons and blah 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 blah. And quite frankly, the game is fun enough getting together and playing that adding those kinds of things I don't think is necessary. Do you think I should just leave them out altogether? We were considering adding them 
into the campaign like later like at like the 1500 the 1000 point limit like once we got used to the game when we did that i played one where a guy um he kind of customized his whole his own thing and it was on like a you had your army on like maps it was like it was like yeah. risk and like yeah, you yeah. move around and you could only like fight people that were in adjoining territory and yeah. so that was your next opponent and stuff and you started to get like abilities and artifacts and blah 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 and by about month between month three and four it fucking all, it all fell apart did it it's the the campaign didn't fall apart we still went through it but it was like okay this is it's kind of bullshit the game is balanced o- around a certain thing and then if you gave lord croak this like staff of the stars that gave him an additional cast of a spell every round and he's broken ass as a caster to begin with it's like well the whole fucking match is busted before it starts Damn. you just really don't want to mess with that that's my only recommendation so the balance is tender and we don't want to yeah it already is going to be slightly wonky because the game is by and large all balanced around 2000 points so when you go lower points it still is fun it's still playable the game go quicker you'll find out what your units do well right and how best to use them so you learn your army really well which i think is the greatest thing over the first couple months so i think it's still fine because you get to once you get to a thousand it starts to feel you know like the real boy right yeah 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 um okay i would here's something that i wish we would have done different with our painting side of it i don't think you should in in it's just just my opinion on this because we did this and it crashed and burned in the requiring you to paint the full 250 points okay so the goal is i sat back and i'm like what's the goal of this the goal is that people keep painting okay Mm -hmm. if you keep painting of month over month you're gonna they're gonna build up enough momentum they're gonna build up some confidence in their skills they're gonna figure out a paint scheme that they like they're gonna figure out how to do ogre flesh that's the whole goal if they get to the end of it, and let's say you have 2,000 points at the end, what if 1,200 points are, are fully painted? Is that considered a bad thing? No, I think I think that's a fucking victory. Mm. So what I would, if I were to do it again, and if we do another one, what I would do is when you start the campaign, you have to have one unit painted. Or you could even say you don't have to paint anything until after the first month, but whatever. And each month... You have to have one new unit or one hero fully painted that wasn't painted the month before. So each month you're you're checking off a box. It's like, oh, I got this extra unit of skeletons painted. That's one more unit that I didn't have the time before. And so you're getting more and more painted. And then if people are playing two games a month, they're seeing like, oh, man, I just am missing that one vampire and that one unit of zombies. And if I had those two painted, I have everything painted. Like people get the the positives out of it what we had when we required everything to be painted is people crashed and burned and they felt like if they didn't get it done it was too much they couldn't show up maybe they either lost interest it burned them out so they felt the whole campaign had this negative aura around it instead of it being a positive aura even though no one was like trying to foster that kind of a yeah. you know environment no one was shitting on anyone for no like no no stuff. it was but it just felt like you know, people, and then people would come to me and be like, I'm not going to get it painted. Do you want me to just like drop out or blah, blah, blah? Like they felt bad and they had to come mm. talk. And I'm like, no, that's not what I'm. So I was like, I've learned from that. I'm like, you you want to, for people to feel positive motivation and to experience that at the table to 
play with the painted models, but not in a way that's like unobtainable to the average person that's got a family and a, and a full-time job, right? Yeah. Just, what if, so yeah. there needs to be a way, I, in my brain, I need to incentivize this in some way, uh, positively, not negatively. Mm-hmm. It's like, what, what, what do you think about like, if you show up with your one painted hero or your one painted unit, you get an extra command point turn one. Is that balance breaking or what's a great way to reward people actually doing that but not punish the ones who haven't done it um a ton yeah i think there's there's two things you can either do in game or you can do a row a point system reward system for like prizes at the end of the season okay like winning games and yeah well i would i liked i like the like the raffle ticket example so if you played for each um, if you played both your games in a month, you get one raffle ticket. If you met the painting goal for that month, you get a raffle ticket. Um, you could maybe add other ones. So basically, you're you're getting raffle tickets in the fishbowl each month. And at the end of the season, the fishbowl is filled with raffle tickets. And we have five prizes that we're giving out or whatever for everybody that made it all the way through the campaign just to thank you for you know doing this with us thanks for going on this mission or whatever and i throw you pull five raffle tickets out of the out of the fishbowl so you get more chances at the thing it doesn't affect the games in any kind of like rules balancey kind of way and everyone gets a it's like a chance of winning for participation and you felt like i'm getting more chances at it now <laughs> You do have to come up with prizes. Right, yeah, I was just going to say. Um, so one thing that we did was we we had a buy we had a, a, a buy in. It was like $10 to play in the league, but all of that money went towards prizes. Of course, right. And so it was like first place was to start collecting and second place was a um, a unit box of their choice from of the from the store and then there was like three door prizes based on your your raffle tickets that everyone could be in the running for. Nice. So it is more work and then there's money involved and whatever. But I said like, look, instead of, you know, hitting up Taco Bell this week, you know, and going hog wild and spending your 10 bucks there, (laughs) do it here. And most people won't balk at that. Like the other thing is too, is if someone's going to say, I'm not going to join the escalation league because of the 10 bucks, there's a, is at least a coin flip chance that they were going to flake on you at some point during the league and just drop out. (laughs) Okay. Right. I mean, truthfully, if that's the if that's the tipping point, you're not very reliable to begin with. Yeah, you weren't super. If someone invested. came to me and said, like, I really want to, you know, I'm I'm in school, I don't have a job, whatever. I have my army, but I just, you know, I just don't have the money for it. I'd be like, I'll pay your ten bucks. And I would, you know, not even tell anybody because I want them to be there if they want to be there. Sure. You know, you just want people that want to play or are excited to learn yeah you know, it's a great way to learn a game is an escalation you slowly you do it you learn your units you learn the rules you're getting reps in and you're feeling good about getting some stuff painted so mm. now i want to fucking do one god damn it scott <laughs> oh. so now i have to decide i'm gonna do i'm gonna make a little painting setup in my basement i'm gonna make a video about it like what would i use as a normal hobbyist who has no video considerations like what's my ideal setup i'm gonna make that video so then i have an area at home to paint and then I'm going to paint in the evening. I'm going to try to do one hour a day. Okay. I don't know in a month, so 30-ish hours, I got to be able to paint a fucking unit in that time, right? Yeah, I think so. Like, if, like I'm not that slow. I mean, it's- <laughs> The fucking look, bro. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just, it was, it was partially, uh, 
<laughs> and it was partially uh, thinking about units of ogres and all that flesh and that square footage. I now know. it's less models though. Six models, I think, for a unit of what I can't remember what the normal dudes are called, str- like brutes or something. Or I think you're going to struggle with is so many of the models are old. Yeah, but they're fucking sick, dude. It's like an army of fifty-four millimeter scale models, big like fatty fats, dude. I I love that. I also love model vibes, the, dude. This is the fucking thing. That right guy here. is a big boy. If they were all looked like this, like he's obviously thick as a fucking oak tree. Yeah, dude. But he's not like rolls on rolls on rolls. And I don't <laughs> even mind the fact that they're kind of chonkers, but they just like. I don't know the details on like they don't have a lot of interesting things like the the new fucking tyrant dude. That new tyrant dude is hot as hell. I got him too, dude. Oh, that man. model is sick. Yeah. So, yeah, I think you could totally do that. I think maybe I'll do mine when the new slaves of darkness come out, and I'll I'll start them. Oh, I need another army, bro. Dude, I love me some STDs, dude. Yeah, dude. You can put that. You can take that to the fucking bank. <laughs> put that on the fucking sound bar. All right, so that was my portion of the preamble ramble. Yeah, I'm just We're like gonna, thirty hours in. I know. I'm gonna cut, like not actually cut, but I'm putting down my pop so I can I can share. I got a box here that I brought, and this we got. I got a uh, treats. Treats delivery. Treats? Oh man, week. I have a bunch of Mexican candy that I'm supposed to give to you, but I keep forgetting. So this was sent to us by Goody PP, Freighter Kim. Mm, I know Freighter. Freighter is a fucking legend. Um, and if you spend any time on the Trapped Under Plastic Facebook group, you probably have seen posts by him or you recognize the name. But just a general like positive influence, happy dude. Hell yeah. Like, very encouraging. Like just a cool, cool guy. And he lives in. Hawaii. Nice. And so he sent us some Hawaiian treats. Does he live on Oahu or Maui? I don't know. And there's there's a, a note for there's, oh. a, there's a thing that says John underscore Ninjan. In case there was a different John here, you just get fucking Scott Ward. Where's my uh, fucking maniac, Freighter? What the hell, bro? So uh, uh, while you open that, I didn't even open mine. I'm going to go through some of the, the stuff he got. I am a little bit disappointed, Freighter, because I didn't get a can of spam in here. Dude, what the heck? <gasps> Is there a fucking Canes gift card in here? What the fuck? Bro, there's a $20 Canes gift card in here, Freighter, you legend. What? Oh, oh my gosh. Tendies? We get some Hawaiian tendies on there? Aloha. What is nice, dude. So I'm just going to quickly go through this. We got vanilla macadamia nut coffee. We got uh, tea. Mango Maui tea. Okay, we got two of these things, which are like these snack mixes. They're called, ooh, I got to make sure I don't say the wrong word, Kaki Mochi. You want some, uh, you want to <laughs> you wanna munch my cock? <laughs> <laughs> mochi, you want to mochi on my cocky? Okay, all right. Okay. <laughs> we got wasabi and we got original. Look at, the, look at that fucking snack rack mix, dude. Oh, yeah. Doesn't dude. that look like a fun little salty, oh, yeah. spicy mix? Are you a sweet man or a savory man when it comes to snacking? Oh, I, I like to have a little yin with my yin with my yang. Okay, okay. You know? Yeah. I like to I like to have a little little nacho cheese. No fucking cool ranch. No cool ranch. Yeah, cool ranch is for losers. Um and then uh and then I like to follow it up with a little double stuff. And then we got some here, some Hawaiian shortbread macadamia nut. Cookies. Cookies. This one is original, and this one says Lily Koi. Nice. I don't know what Lily Koi is. Macadamia is big flavor in uh, Hawaii. Yeah, look at these fancy boxes. And there there might have been one or two other things that I already ate. But this this is what I'm bringing to share. (laughs) Okay. Fantastic. 
I mean, yeah, I've been been munching down on on Mexican candy from Rogo Mini. Is another person sending us stuff. Um, I really appreciate all the snacks you guys sent us. This is nice. Awesome. And a twenty dollars kids gift card. Wow. Mahalo. Let's go. I, I'm gonna read mine later in on the car ride home, Freighter. While he's driving. No. Well. So if the, he dies and this <clears> podcast <throat> uh, fails because of you, Freighter. <laughs> the black coach has an autopilot. Oh, does it? So we're fine. We're fine. So that's my abridged version of the preamble ramble because let me just double check. Oh, oh one th- other thing I really want to just briefly mention is no the Nova Open and ReaperCon both recently completed just last week as mm-hmm. of the recording of this, a couple weeks ago when you watch it. And I've just been watching out there on the social medias um, all the goody peepees representing of having participated in the painting competitions of those uh, conventions. Nice. I was like, fuck yeah. I see some fucking medals out there, bro. Bro. Some goody peepee medals. In the Facebook group? Yeah, in the Facebook group, on Instagram, um, in in my uh, Discord channels. I'm seeing it, and I'm just like, that's awesome. Like, It seems like a lot of people are trying for the first time to enter or Fantastic. like, you know, they were maybe thinking about it before or had done it a little bit before, but it's their first post um, pandemic um, painting uh, convention kind of to uh, holding themselves to a high standard. I've seen some really cool stuff out there. So I just wanted to mention that that good on you. And if you have a local local convention and you paint minis, find out if they have a mini painting competition and just bring your stuff. Even if you think it's garbo, bring it because i tell you what it will be a memorable experience and it will fuel you to the next one absolutely also those are great systems to get involved in because not only are they open but they also have categories like journeyman and master yeah so you can go into like a category that fits your skill level so if you're in there for the first time there's a a category for you um so yeah that's a super awesome super super awesome thing for you guys to do also congrats to anyone who entered and whether you won something or not that isn't really the point it's just about kind of getting over that that like hump. It's like I'm not worth it. You absolutely are. Do it. And uh, side note on that, you, if everyone has watched our Tup Live at Adepticon episode, <clears throat> you may remember a story about um, using a, a washcloth to wipe your butt by uh, <laughs> one J- <laughs> J- Jakey Poo, aka Old English, aka Applesauce. J- <laughs> applesauce bitch aka AKA jake the lawyer aka (laughs) curtain engineer aka curtain engineer jake okay (laughs) so jake entered at uh in the journeyman category like five or six pieces i think and uh, nova open i haven't even come out to him personally and congratulated him yet because he got a a bunch of medals and he seems like on cloud nine and his pieces look great and so i want to say Congratulations, Jake! And next year, I'm seeing masters, bud. Yeah, I don't know if those were journeymen. Yeah, they were like paint jobs, Jake. Masters I think, quality, I, Jake. I think you're sharking a bit here. <laughs> uh, I don't know about fucking that. limping in. He's like, oh He's gosh, like, oh, I'm so shit at this. Yeah. Boom! Right? Get fucked. How about uh, one of these? <laughs> As he enters his mini. Yeah. All um, right. Awesome. That's it. Now let's get on to the what we painted. Um, you want to go first or should I go first? You go first. You got a lot of bullshit to get through. Bullshit. I only have one bullshit. Okay, so I painted the arm of the ogre from Cursed City. I uh, I was trying to figure out like what I wanted to do for a scheme. I don't know much about the stories 
of ogres. I know, like, obviously they're they're greedy. They like to eat like a lot of their fat. They eat flesh. Yeah, like this guy from Curse City eats corpses specifically, um, which is awesome. That can't be good for the gut biome. No, it can't be. Well, maybe there's a lot of good bacteria in there. You know, yeah, maybe it's really good yeah, for the gut biome. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I didn't know how to paint him. I was like, okay, maybe some kind of obviously pale flesh, a little bit sickly. I was thinking like maybe like a green shaded skin. I went with a purple shaded skin. Really kind of wrestled against the purple. And I'm going to talk more about that in the preamble ramble. If you're interested in the preamble ramble, it is one of the rewards that we give to our $5 patrons linked below. Where's the cat register sound? Cha-ching. Yeah, there it is. The heartbeat. Um, but yeah, this model is awesome. Our patrons are the heartbeat of the 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 top <laughs> podcast. Um we discovered that the box art for this model is painted incorrectly because he is clearly wearing a gloved hand, but it is painted as its flesh. Max Felage. How could I, you? I'm looking at you. You dropped the ball, bro. I know. I don't even know if you painted the box art for this, but I'm going to pretend you did. It was your fault. And you, you painted hand where there was Michael Jackson glove, okay? <laughs> All right. Painted that guy. So, um, so it's kind of is is your thought process there is like because he's eaten corpses, his skin looks very unhealthy and very like sickly. Yeah, there's pale. that. The story that I came up with, not knowing anything about ogres, that these got this is I want to make a oni possessed ogre tribe. You know, I think oni is like a Japanese demon, correct? Yes. And I know they're kind of like more Mongolian than they are. Japanese. I might look up some Mongolian demons or what those are, what those look like. There's some fucked up ones, dude. That's yeah. a good idea. And I want to give them like red glowing eyes, like they're all fucking possessed. Bruh. I love the hand dipped in blood thing that they often do with yeah. ogres. That's so cool. It is cool. So I might, I might copy that too. We'll see. Yeah. I um, mean, he's got like scimitar and shit on his back. Yeah. It's so Mongolian. I don't know. My, my paint ideas aren't fully formed yet for my ogres. Uh, so I don't know what, what. I want them to look like, which is also part of the reason why I'm kind of punting and just thinking maybe I'll go with the vampires because I already have like a an established scheme with them. You ever you ever feel like early on in your painting journey, skin was a, like always such a, like a, a a daunting hurdle, and it was like one of the hardest things and one of the tougher things. And later on, at least for me recently, it's become one of the most rewarding things. It's the most fun thing. Like there's a lot of little fucking tchotchke bullshit that stuff i don't want to paint now i want to paint that big fucking arm you know and he's got his his michael jackson glove how much of his skin is showing through the michael jackson glove we don't know that's up to us to paint like i i think it, like you're good at skin i hope you like to do it oh thank you yes i love skin but i think the thing i feel that way the most about is faces yeah i feel like and, and skin as well like i had like a couple of like I called these on my YouTube channel backyard alley techniques for painting faces that would like, I could limp through the process in a way. <laughs> Fucking Kenny Boucher term right there. <laughs> but like now I feel really confident in like painting faces and it's, it's so much fun to do. Um, so yeah, skin faces, definitely rewarding. I wish there was more of that skin on that model. He's got a lot of tchotchke going on. Bro, you want them back alley techniques? <laughs> backyard alley techniques. Right, so it's an alley in your backyard. <laughs> what the fuck? How's that work? I don't know. You came up with it. <laughs> All right. I also painted, I don't know this chick's name, but the female captain from Curse City at your house because I failed Vinci V and myself. And I forgot to bring the models that we were working on at the office to your house when we transitioned over there. You also forgot the Ocarina of Time. I did forget that. Um, <laughs> no comment. 
Um, I have every person in my cursed city squad has like a different color as like their thing. And I was like, how am I going to give to the captain here? And I, I made her a Nuln inspired captain. So she's using blacks and yellows. Um, side note, the primer from Pro Acryl? Pro Acryl needs some time to set up, I think. You can't like prime a model and then immediately start molesting it like I tend to do sometimes. Wiped a lot of primer off the back of this model, like a lot of it. That's so weird to me because I I don't. But I, I, I it's weird because like the model that I painted, I literally primed it and began with a brush right away. I don't know what I'm doing then. I, I, I think a lot of it is is like if I'm seeing where it's happening, it's hand. I don't know if it's a oh, friction it thing. It definitely is hand, yeah. And may, maybe because I didn't begin painting right away and touch it right away maybe it does maybe touching it it needs time to cure but like being gentle with your brush with oh, paint no, yeah doesn't do it yeah, yeah the brush yeah. yeah it's definitely like i started out painting the face because again i love painting faces and whenever i do that i get real like you know i get real close and personal oh yeah and you're you got the fucking turkey claw grip on that thing yeah definitely what I will say is this primer is incredibly matte, incredibly yeah. matte, yeah. and it's so good because the paint just grips to it so nicely. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think this is this is definitely a contender for a, a, a primer when I run out of my 16 ounce bottle of mm. Steinle Res in 17 years. I gotta remember to get your model of that back for me because you stole mine, so you could paint it. Oh right, yeah, and I have it assembled, so you can just have it. Um, I finished up. Check your assembly. <laughs> you better, you better believe it is. Uh, Baylor black tie finished him up uh, oh. on stream. That was a fun model to paint. They're like they're just so simple looking. They're so they're so much fun to paint. He looks like a very fun model to paint. Yeah, it's like nothing. It's not a ton going on. It's just real simple. You've got a nice face, but there's there's enough differences in textures, in materials, and like there's metals and there's a nice cloth. There's a little texture on his whatever. There's a cloak, but like. There's not extra shit everywhere. Yeah. His face is actually is a really nice kind of position. You're able to like get in there and do some good stuff with that. Yeah, yeah. Respectable sculpt. Yeah. yeah. It's like a fun model to paint. It was fun. It's about two hours. Another, I mean, I'm kind of just like avoiding painting my army, <laughs> just painting characters. Um, and I'm hey, definitely feeling that. Ain't no problem with that. Yeah. And then lastly. What the fuck is this? I had a local model kit maker who's oh running a campaign gosh. for this thing over to paint this spaceship that's being built around an asteroid. And the base for this thing goes into a scale city, which is like super tiny. And, oh. it, and it shows you the scale of the spaceship, which is super cool. And the premise of the video was he brought in the painted version of this model and I was going to replicate the things he did with mini painting materials because he used enamels and stuff. And I was going to be like, okay, I'm going to try to get your result with acrylics and like inks and stuff like that. And then he also sat next to me and repainted a portion of the ship with the same strategy he was going to use. And we were just comparing and contrasting materials, methods, stuff like that. That's really cool. Yeah. So I painted this idea. little spaceship. Beep, 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 beep. A portion of it, I should say. <laughs> a lot of whip paint jobs a lot of, this time around. A lot of put some paint on this. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's what I painted. Well, what have you painted, sir? Uh, I only have one thing painted, and this is I'm bringing it us to us today via my Cobalt Keep little display box, which was really? a re recent sponsor. And as long as the individual like heroes and stuff fit in here, and they don't have like super wide sword going way out, it feels like a really nice way to, for me to transport models to the podcast going yeah. forward. Yeah, as long as I can get it out of here without smacking it. So I painted this for the video that's 
uh, will be out. It'll be out by the time you watch this. Um, it's a new... Oh, he's got a name. I wrote it down because he's a new League of Voltan hero. No, it's not. It's Leagues of Votan. There's no L in there. I always want to say Voltan because it's a way cooler word. But Votan, his name is Uthar the Destined. Votan. Hey, Chef Votan. Y'all been to that new Votan? It's down by the by the Kmart. Um, <laughs> what is he destined for? Ah, uh, being a short he's, idiot. He's he's destined for being fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, I got a vibe. I got a vibe off this. Got the moment you it. sent it, I was like, that's Craftford Studio paint style. And then you were like, I'm trying to emulate Craftford Studio. And I was like, well, you're fucking nailing it. Uh, and and I I took I painted that over four days and it was uh Respect. I got to a point where like I, I I feel like I a bit phoned in the sword just to get it done. There's there's more work. And then there's there's not a lot of futzing that's been done on this model. I feel like there's probably I could spend another twenty hours, you know, maybe not even on this model to make it smooth to really push some things a little bit more, and then I think it could, like, it could enter Golden Demon and not be ashamed of it. Yeah, but then it wouldn't be Craft World Studio. Uh, so when I first saw, I saw his torso. First of all, the sword. Who fucking cares about the sword? <laughs> Everyone cares about this, this yeah. torso area, right? Yeah. Um, when I saw the torso, I saw those streaks of highlights that like weren't like perfectly blended, mm-hmm. and that's a Craft World Studio thing. Yeah, it's the the way light will hit something, and it, it's a little bit more like uh, what's the word like illustrative? Yeah, kind of style. Sure. Yeah, yeah, and I think that definitely sells what you're going for. But yeah, if you wanted to deviate and like yeah. paint this smooth and stuff, absolutely. Well, like not even necessarily that. I think I could refine that. But if you look at like his left shoulder pad, uh, his other left. Yeah, that one I'm happy with. Oh, <laughs> the other one there's there's a, some blending that needs to be done on that. But like, so there's things there if I wanted to like take it to competition. But I was like, I had so much fun painting that, and all it was is doing um, a variety. I primed it white, and then going in with like a deeper purple. It was actually called indigo. A deeper purple, a mid-tone, like saturated blue, and then a magenta. Where? Where is this paint? What is this indigo paint from? Is this is this Procrel? No. The entire model is painted with the new uh, AK Interactive 3rd Gen. Okay, because that purple is hot. As indigo is the name of the color. Like the purple in the magazine of this gun? Yes. Is... So one thing that I did was like I tried to keep... Not everywhere, but I tried to keep a bit of that like deepest, darkest shadow without paint on it, so you'd feel that kind of color throughout the throughout the model. So this is a triumph. Um, also, I can tell that your brush control skills are getting seriously dangerous. Like the edge highlighting on the runes on top oh. of his backpack thing and on his on this dwarf thing on the shoulder, yeah. they're crispy and tiny. Like yeah. you did a you did a killer job on that. None of that was captured on film because I can't do that. No recording. Well, you know how it works, right? You yeah. Just, you I mean, there just, is. You hold your breath. I I do capture footage of edge highlighting and like, kind of like explaining some of like, some some of that in there, but those really tiny little fuckers. And a lot of them are like gone over two three times as I realized it wasn't as bright as I wanted it to be, and so I'm like shit, I gotta do it all again. Yeah, that definitely happens. I, you you want to avoid that, but it, like it happens a lot. I think. I mean, I think the biggest thing for me for that and like other aspects of of painting that model where I felt like I'm like proud of of how certain things turned out 
so much of it for me it was like the big light switch is taking all the fucking paint off your brush there's i realize that so often i paint with way too much paint on my brush mm. and all that means is that is so you're just you know playing russian roulette with it leaving more than you want it to yeah and then you when you start like because I, I and I was like I fucking dab it on a paper towel, suck it all up, and then I touch model. It's made a world of difference, and even I can go with a thinner and thinner paint and have the control for things like those edge highlights because it's it's there's never going to be the bloob over, you know, you know that bloobin. The bloobin. Everyone hates bloobin. This feels like a level up for you. I don't know why. Also, that bird felt like a level up for you as well. Yeah, I got, I'm fucking like leveling up, dude. I'm like level 43 now. Dude, it's what like, the fuck, dude? I was dude. like 39 at the start of the year. <laughs> fucking leaving me behind, bro. That's a that's a, that's a pretty model, dude. Thank you. Thank you. I'd say, oh, I did. It's not entirely. The only thing that isn't the AKA third gen is all the NMM gold. Um, I built it up and I felt like it lost a bit of the like the warmth the bright color and so cassandora yellow shade by games workshop which is just like a yellow they're like null oil but yellow okay a very like i didn't even thin it down i just kept a um i thinned it down a little bit with water and i went over all the gold stuff with that and like it pumped it back out non oil but yellow yeah it's called cassandora yellow so it's just a yellow wash it's a yellow it's their yeah the yellow shade it's not like yellow plus black no it's just yellow okay it's just, okay, it's just a Saturated yellow. Okay, cool, cool, cool. You can use an ink, but if you want to thin an ink way, 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 way down. So, but yeah. All right, awesome. That's what I'm hating. Today's sponsor is from the dark and twisted mind of Jeremy from Black Magic Craft, showing off his new game, Idols of Torment. Idols of Torment is a two-player skirmish game, and I think I need to, like, lower my voice a couple of octaves when I mm. talk about it because it's fucking dark. Yeah. Jeremy's game features several lost NPCs that have come to life with plastic 32mm on-sprue models. I feel like Jeremy's trying to show me up by diving into plastic models immediately with his first minis. Who do you think you are, Jeremy? Yeah, what the hell? Oh, he definitely is, and he's definitely winning! <laughs> Idols of Torment has 3D printable STL files for the rest of the 72 minis, which you can grab for around 50 bucks on the Kickstarter. Every order in the game, which is like a faction, features the same makeup of dudes, but with unique models and playstyles. Pick from the order of the strife if cloven hooves are your thing. Insert goat-related joke here. Or the hollow for a more ghostly experience. In case you want to relive that Scooby-Doo fetish. In total, there are eight playable orders, so head over to Kickstarter to see all the awesome different designs. The size of your force is around nine models, and the game itself takes one to two hours to play. With 150 US dollar Kickstarter special backer pledged here, you get a PDF and hardcover rulebook, cards, plastic minis and game tokens, and 3D printable STL files for every model of every order and all additional game pieces. Also, if you didn't know, Jeremy has a history producing electronic black metal music, and as part of this campaign, you can pick up a Kickstarter exclusive LP that features dark ambient music to listen to while playing idols of torment you can grab the record as an add-on or as part of the all-in-one backer pledge tier and don't be misunderstood jeremy is actually a pleasant pleasant canadian and he has done something that makes us all really happy he has hooked us up with global fulfillment centers that means no matter where you live if you back this kickstarter it's going to be shipped to you fairly close and cheap what a nice guy 
You can find a link to the campaign in the show notes and description below. Shout out to Jeremy for sponsoring this portion in today's episode. Now on to the interview with Uncle Adam. We are here with the Pachow Patriarch, the tabletop minion overlord. All praise. Adam Smasher himself. Adam Loper. How are you doing, Adam? Not too bad. Not too bad. Um, it's been a long couple of months, but uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's downhill from here, but it is yeah. definitely a little bit more easy from here, hopefully, mm. uh, for a bit. So, yeah. Are you referring to like your life in general? Like you're on the, the, the no, decline? I mean, <laughs> sure. There's that too. Why not? Sure. Yeah. But no, it's just, uh, it's been, um, with the launch of the game, it's been, it's been a lot of work. So, um, now it's going to be a little bit less work for a while and then we'll start the next one, but we'll talk about that when we talk about it. But yeah. Right. Otherwise, Absolutely. it's good. I'm glad to be here. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for being here. We really yeah, appreciate yeah, yeah. that. You yeah. made a drive from Wisconsin to get here, so mm-hmm. we really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. But if you don't know Uncle Adam, he is one of the OG mini painting YouTubers. Your channel's been around for how long? Um, I started making videos. Uh, I mean, technically, the channel was started, according to YouTube, in like 2009. Yeah. But I didn't actually start making videos on the regular, well, not even that regular, until March of 2013. So this upcoming March will be 10 years. 10 wow. years. That is indeed. so awesome. Yeah. But uh, in like 2015, I just was feeling, I don't know, fat and sassy and was like, what if I started putting out a video every week? And so mm. then October, late October 2015, I started putting out a video every single Friday. And I haven't missed one. Yeah. Okay. So. Your channel is an institution at this point. Mm-hmm. That's it's, amazing. What do you focus on in your channel? When I first started, I was just focusing on trying to teach myself um, video production. Like that was literally why I'm like, I should probably talk about a hobby so that I'm not just making videos about nothing. Because again, this is 2013. It was a very different kind of time on YouTube. Uh, and there were people making videos about just nothing. So that was fine. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I was like, I should probably, just so I keep doing it, I should do about wargaming because I dig that stuff. But it wasn't until probably about 2015 when I started deciding, let's start doing this a little bit more seriously, that I decided, you know, what if I focus on getting people into the hobby? Like, that's kind of the big thing. That's what the channel's really about. I don't, I don't focus on like high-end painting techniques. I'm not a particularly high-end painter in any kind of way. I'm, I'm, I'm a tabletop painter, but I want to teach people how to get into it. It is a hobby that I think can be daunting mm. in comparison to, say, like buying a video game on Steam and pushing a button and then just yeah. start playing or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely that kind of thing. I think that it's important to try to get people into the hobby, so that's really what I kind of focus on. And I talk about motivation, and I talk about techniques, and I talk about a lot of different things like that, but that's kind of the big deal. Okay, so that's really interesting to, right from the get-go, to identify one of the issues with our hobby is the the hurdle, right? That f- steep learning curve um, and having access to people to learn from, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. if you get a video game, you log on. If you play online, you play at home, you, you figure it out as you go, but you need another physical body to, to, to learn, right? Right, exactly. And that's the other thing, too, is that with this hobby, it's, I mean, sure, if you're just sitting in painting, that's you can totally do that by yourself. Yeah. But when you're playing against people, you need another person across mm-hmm. that table, generally. Now, not always. There are solo games, certainly, yep. and those are becoming a bigger deal. But, yeah, no, it's definitely something where 
and and that's why I've talked a lot of, as well in the channel about being a game advocate. Mm. You know, that's one of the reasons why I like skirmish games because if I was like, hey, I'm going to teach my friends how to play 40k, well now I got to build two pay, build and paint two 2000 point armies and all that stuff. <laughs> but if it's a skirmish game where I've just got to do two groups of maybe 5 to 10 models, that's yeah. a much easier get. And yes. then I can do that and then be like, hey, do you want to learn how to play this? I already got the guys, you use those, I'll use these, blah blah blah, whatever. And so yeah, I try to get people to do that as well to help not just get the people who are paying attention to the channel to get a little bit more comfortable with wargaming, mm-hmm. but also to get them to start spreading the word or, you know, like a virus, if you will, <laughs> um, and go from there and see how it works out. So You're board gamifying the experience in that when I open this box, I have everything I need to play this game right now, right? Yeah. And so for a miniature wargame, oftentimes there's assembly, it's all this stuff. Oh, yeah. You come with yeah. all that stuff ready to rock. So it's yeah. just super easy for someone to be like, you know, you, they, they can't say no to you, you know, almost right. in a way. So, yeah. yeah. If, okay. you, if you're going down that road and you're becoming an advocate and you're like, okay, cool, I'm going to try to teach people to play. Because, like, there's a lot of people who are like, I only like this game and nobody plays it near me. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I like lots of different games, but not the big one that everybody plays near me. This allows you, especially with skirmish games, to start thinking about it from the aspect of, like, I'm just going to walk into the shop and just ask somebody if they want to play. Mm. Maybe it's somebody I know. Maybe it's somebody I've seen. Maybe it's somebody you've never seen. Whatever, yeah. it happens. But yeah. Or even just your friends. Like, Pick hey, come games? on over. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. Absolutely. It's way easier than if you're just like, oh, okay, well, you know, I've seen guys sit at the shop mm-hmm. with, like, their army. Just waiting. Just waiting. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's a long wait, man. That's Dude, not, yeah. they eyeball you as you go in looking for eye contact, right, too. Right, right. That's like, a thing, you know? Oh, yeah. Just going to hang out at the store waiting for someone to show up, maybe hobbying while you're waiting. Yeah. Yeah. That is such a thing. I've, I've done that in a while. I find it's more of a thing in, like, Magic, the Gathering, and stuff like yeah. that. Like, you could just sit down with your deck and just wait. Yeah. And if people walk up and see you're doing Commander, they're like, you want to play Commander? And then, boom, you know, you go. But it's a lot bigger of a get. Like someone else, it's magical when you see it. Yeah. I got to be honest, I haven't <laughs> seen it in a while. Right. But when yeah. you see like a guy walk in with his giant battle foam bag and there's already a guy sitting there and they don't know each other yeah. and they're like, oh, you know. But yeah. the worst is when like one guy walks in and sets his bag down and he's got like Age of Sigmar and he's got like 40K. <laughs> oh, and so, hard to write some rules for that, man. That'd be pretty dope. Yeah, I so, guess you know. I play my rules on my turn. You play your rules on your turn. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there you go. Do they interact? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Be fine. Yeah, I think I, when I when I did see that ever working out, it was always happening at a games workshop store. Sure, sure, uh, that makes sense. Less less likely to happen in a normal local game store because yeah. there's just a wider breadth of games to play. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's a really cool vibe. Well, speaking of being a game advocate, you are here advocating for your new game, Space right. Station Zero. Nice. Um, so Smooth. let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah, transition. Yeah. yeah, okay, okay. Uh, but let's talk about that. So uh, when Vince often discusses your relationship, he makes it seem like he's Robin and you're Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I don't... See, the thing is, the way I look at it is like I have designed games before, but I've always designed them with somebody else. Yeah. I, like years ago, early 90s, me and a friend, uh, my friend Peter, uh, we started Snarling Badger Games. New game is Snarling Badger Studio. Totally different. Mm-hmm. Totally different. Yeah. I had the URL. Oh, like, sweet. I've, 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 I've had that same URL since December of 95. So it's <laughs> okay, like a, yeah. over a quarter of a century now. So I'm just, when when, we, when Vince and I decided, let's make this into an actual company and not just make a game for fun, mm. I was like, I got the name. We just got to change the end a little bit. It'll be fine. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I'm, I, I, I'm a, when it comes to the actual text, I'm an idea guy. And ideas are kind of worthless. 
Sure. It's actually execution that's the important yeah. part. We had the same chat. Vince, Vince, Vince said yeah. that too. Which is, <laughs> yeah. that's good. So you guys are like, on the same page. So it's like, you know, I'm like, like with Rain and Hell, the previous game, that was totally an idea in my head, but I didn't have any, like I had story, I had ideas, I had beats. I'm like, well, then this happens and all this, and I got these ideas and I'm titles. I think it'd be really great for these guys to have titles, almost like a Xbox achievement. Yeah. When you're playing in a, in a campaign, if you've killed... Um, guys on your own team which you could do because you're demons and you're evil mm-hmm. you could and there's a benefit to doing that sometimes you do it enough times then you get a title called betrayer betrayer so now you are so and so you know gore face the betrayer oh. and then you get a special bonus that you can use throughout the rest of the you know campaign and stuff like that and i'm like but i don't know the mechanics on how to make this stuff work and then that's when vince picks up and is like okay and then comes up with all kinds of awesome stuff okay um so I'm a little bit more idea with this new game with with Space Station Zero. This is all based off of a design, an idea for a role playing game that Vince has had for a decade. Mm. So we did my game in the first one, and in this one, he's like, "I got this idea." And then the next game that we're doing for 2023 is an idea that I had that he really digs, and we just kind of collaborate and work back and forth. But when it comes down to doing the math and the writing, um, that's a Vince thing. When it comes down <laughs> to art direction, layout. Making the logo, that's a me thing. You know, yeah. That kind of stuff. Marketing, too. You made an interesting comment about the website you've published your game to, mm-hmm. that there are games there that probably have wonderful rules that just never get purchased and played. Right, right. So it's like, just like execution and ideas, you have excellent rules, but no marketing, n- nothing that's public-facing that like looks attractive, and no one plays your game. Like, Is it even worth it to make? It's Well, here's the deal. Is it used to be... That's the way war games were. Mm. Like when you look at like old school grognards playing like mm. like you know um, historical games uh, from way back in the like sixties and seventies, it was like mimeographed, like <laughs> typed sheets and yeah. stuff stapled up in the corner, and that was your game book, and they were happy. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, Can you define grognard? Grognard, uh, it's a French term. Grognards these days, it's generally like old school war gamers. Okay. Um, generally. You can be in a, a grognard and be young, but it, normally you're old. So okay. yeah, <laughs> um, but that's the way it used to be. And so nowadays, consumers expect something. It's not even like the consumers expect stuff. People just like stuff that looks nice. Absolutely. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it sparks joy or whatever. You know what I mean? Like that. You just like there's like things <laughs> that, that you, there are books like I've bought a bunch of the Merkborg uh, RPG stuff. Oh yeah. I don't play it. But it's just really cool looking, and I like reading it. You know yeah. what I mean? I buy a lot of RPGs, not a lot. I, I buy some RPGs that I'm never going to play, but it's always because either the story's really interesting and I'm super interested in reading it, or the visuals are like really interesting, uh, or right sometimes both. Uh, yeah, that yeah. happens too. I'm right there with you. There was a, uh, a supplement for a 40K RPG that was a Dark Eldar one, mm-hmm. and on the cover there's this awesome like witch succubus and okay. i was like i don't even care what is in that book i just sure. want it yeah. oh yeah, um, yeah so i bought it <laughs> yeah yeah. No. So, yeah i totally get that do you ever do that john yeah all the time oh yeah that's what that's what i do okay <laughs> a little shameful about yeah. that no i'm just uh this bang is hitting me pretty hard today <laughs> i can't i can't blink um i mean if you think about that it's pretty uh it's pretty kind of customary for how the like kind of the human brain works right when you think about like window shopping right oh sure it's like mm. yeah. back in the day when you have a main street and even you know many towns still do to this day is you walk by what catches your eye visually what kind of gets you say mm, oh to walk in right and so in this situation, walking in means opening up the cover and figuring out what it's about. And if you don't have that, huh, ooh, experience, it doesn't matter how cool the stuff is on the inside. On the other hand, also, to be fair, there's also plenty of like 
stuff that looks really cool and then you start going <laughs> yes. through it and you're like this isn't this is nothing this is like yeah and so we didn't want to do that either yeah. you know yeah. what i mean so it was all about like we need to make like i frankly made the logo for space station zero before we had started writing mm. i kind of have a tendency to lead with the logo i did the same thing with rain and hell i already have the logo for our next game in my head but i actually haven't had the time to sit down and actually do it okay but we'll have it before we're very deep into the actual game just because that's how i kind of work and also in the design process that vince and i have started doing it's heavily ball in his court at the beginning like we meet every Sunday night on, we do a discord, you know, like audio chat thing or whatever. And we go over stuff and we talk about stuff and he's like this and we interact and everything. It's great. But early on, it's all him. And then as we get closer and closer and closer to publication, mm. then it is all me because mm. now I'm taking all that finished text sure. and not having to lay it out and work with the, you know, the artists and all that kind of stuff and do all that. So I'm, which is why I've been so busy the last two months. Right. But uh-huh. he was very busy at the beginning of this whole process. Okay. Yeah. Call back to the beginning of the topic where you're Exactly. Like my life's been terrible, and now it's amazing. Okay, <laughs> I wouldn't say terrible. It's right. just been real busy. Real busy. Okay. I'm, I mean, I work a full time job, and then I've got the YouTube, and now I've got this third job with the game company. So it's been it's 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 it's, it's a lot. Yeah, that sounds like a lot. I couldn't imagine trying to make a game while also doing YouTube as well. Um, so let's talk about art a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you sourced a really awesome illustrator for this game. Yeah. But like generally speaking, when you're trying to create like an artistic direction for a game, like Vince hands you a stack of rules. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. what's what's next? Generally, I start. Well, again, I I find that the logo, <laughs> this is not for everybody, but I find that the logo, figuring that out really starts to make me think about like what this game is going to be about. The layout itself as well is a little bit more utilitarian. Like mm-hmm. I've had people tell me, like I, I knew some people who were like, we we're going to get into um, Necromunda from Games Workshop. This is super, super cool. And then I would bump into them or talk to them online or whatever later on. And I'm like, how's that going? And they're like, we quit. I'm like, why? And they're like, they put this texture behind all the text on every single page and it is so dark we can't read it. Mm. And I'm what like, what a reason to not play a game. Holy cow. Well, because yeah. it's difficult. If it's difficult to read, you're just going to be like, this is... Absolutely, like, yeah. And so I'm like, okay, noted. I want texture <laughs> on these, but I'm always dialing it way back yeah. so that it's real light and it's out of the way and it's subtle. So figuring that out, figuring out how we did the layout on the first two games. The layout is not the same, but it's got the main column and then there's this sidebar column where we can put in like little, did you think about this? Or here's a little note about that or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, as it turns out, it also sometimes gives us wiggle room when we um, make the entire thing and then forget a small part and we're like, well, well, that goes in the sidebar and we've got some room because it's it was like on page 35. That book is 120 pages long. Yeah. If I had to fit three more paragraphs in, every other page for the rest of the book would have flowed and it would have been starting nearly over. Yeah. So I'm like just taking that, putting it in the sidebar, nice. So um, It's a really interesting concept to like build in room for error, oh, right? It's, yeah. It, it, as I get older and older, I find it more and more useful yeah. all the time. Yeah, because we're always going to make mistakes, yeah, right? Yeah. That's why I leave early for stuff. That's why you make <laughs> all kinds of stuff like that. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. But um, it, it was a visual idea. Like for Rain and Hell, there was a, a board game that I – and I'm not a board gamer. Yeah. But I saw this board, gamer at, or this board game at Gen Con one year, and I'm like, well, I'm going to buy that. Because, again, it's just super awesome looking. <laughs> and it's called Eshkatan or Eshkatan. And um, it's just like super kind of almost like black metal, but not like crazy unreadable logo kind of black metal. But like, mm. 
but like like I don't know, like m- like Middle Ages black metal cons like mixed together. Oh, that's and it's cool. like a big map of like the world and it's like black death and stuff going on and whatever and the bubonic plague and all kinds of junk like that. And it's just cool and everything everything about it, you could just tell that they took time on every little bit. And I'm like, I want to head in that direction, and that's why Rain and Hell, like the font choices were very specific. The for both the headlines, the body copy, this everything you know, I did all that stuff and all that kind of precursor stuff. And because I was working in print, which I haven't worked in print in a long time, I've been a, I'm, a, I'm basically a web designer. It was very interesting for me to like we were talking about this before, like put things and know they're going to stay there mm. because it's not going to resize if you're looking at it on a phone versus looking at it on a 21 by nine or whatever. Yeah, it's static, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's cool. I like that actually. But the other thing that's interesting is that you're looking at it and you're like, this is all cool. I like this. This is great. And then you actually print it on a piece of paper and then you're like, oh, this is all wrong. This is the wrong <laughs> size. Looks great on your screen, but your screen is big or weird or sure. whatever. So then you have to go and print it on a sure. printer, like a caveman, and then be like, oh, yeah, no, that's not readable, or it's way too big or whatever. And so there's a lot of that work too. But so all that's going on while Vince is writing so that when he gets done, at least to some degree, we're ahead of the game on that. But yeah. it comes from the logo first for me, generally, like the name and it's the like logo and the concept. Head, right? yep. yeah. And you've got that, and it's kind of like a, a, a goalpost. And then the layout, but then that whole time I'm thinking of the art. In the first game, the art was all pictures of models that Vince and I had painted. And we found this guy on Twitter named Scott, who's uh, Artist Empire. Artist's Empire? Artist's not, Empire. Not me. Not you. I'm mm-hmm. trash at drawing. And he does digital paintovers. Mm-hmm. So he like goes in. He doesn't use Photoshop. He uses a program called Procreate on the iPad. And like you've got all these cool demon models, 3D printed models that we painted, mm-hmm. photographed. And he went in and put like weird skies behind him and yes. like smoke and grit and like okay. dead trees and all kinds of stuff like that. And he was, and it was awesome. And the stuff was great. Yeah, and you're telling us that he was featured in White Dwarf for some of yeah, his work, like right? 465. It was like literally right after our game came out, then he was featured in White Dwarf because he'd been doing so many, he would have people on Twitter send him pictures of like their models uh-huh. and he'd be like, put them on a white background, get down real low and shoot up at them. So they look huge, you know, mm-hmm. like Titans and like, you know, oh, Imperial yeah. Knights and stuff. Or like use a wide angle lens, get right. really close to the model. Yeah. yeah and then people, and then he would like pick one and he would do it on, you know, and he was, he's been live streaming it and stuff like that. And he was really cool. And we found him on Twitter and we're like, Hey, and, um, the, the, the illustrator who did all the stuff in space station zero is the same deal. Almost. Um, I was just spooking around on Reddit and I found this. I love that verb. Yeah, <laughs> spooking around. And I found this picture, this drawing of this space marine that um, that the artist had done. But there, of course, because Reddit, there's no attribution, so I had no idea who did it. So yeah. I had to do a bunch of searches and all that kind of stuff. He had like a little mark down the corner that I kind of sourced and figured it out eventually, and then found him on Twitter. His mm-hmm. name is Will Kirkby. And when I started following him on Twitter, he had just released a graphic novel that he completely done himself, which mm-hmm. is a gorgeous little thing called Grenade. Uh, and it's all black and white on the inside, but it's got a really nice cover. It's hardcover, got gold foil. It's really cool. Ooh, yeah. So I picked that up mm-hmm. and then I reached out to him and I was like, I really want to work with you on a t-shirt design because I had this idea in my head. And he knew me from YouTube. So, because he plays some Warhammer. So he's like, yeah, that'd be great. So I haven't released the t-shirt design yet, unfortunately. Like it's... Again, now that the game is launched, I'm going to be doing that. <laughs> but uh, it, it turned out super, super cool. And then when we started getting into Space Station Zero and it kind of started to formulate visually in my head, at that point, I was like, I know the guy we need to work with. It's this guy. And that's mm-hmm. what we did. Um, the only downside was is that he's been working for Dark Horse Comics. He's been drawing some stuff, uh, some issues for 
Critical Role, like the D&D group, like they've got some Dark Horse comic stuff and he's been mm-hmm. doing a bunch of that. It was going to be done end of February, but because it's a licensed project, uh. it's got to go through you know, Dark Horse and also the Critical Role people. And so that slowed everything down. So he didn't able to, he wasn't able to start drawing on our stuff till like almost May. Okay. So we were Scary. hoping to have the game out. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was one of those things. He's like, I can't make the date you guys are looking for. So I'm really right. sorry. So and you pushed the, the we thing were just back. like, we're self-published. We can put it out when we want to put it out. That's so beautiful. we'll wait. And that's what we did. So that's uh, great. And that's a lesson I think for people who are listening is like, you want your game to be as great as it can be. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the point is, I mean, like sometimes people like, create artificial deadlines i find for yeah. kickstarters for for videos coming out people will often be like it needs to come out here because i said it was going to come out here and it's like if it's not perfect and it's not how you want it in your vision you're your own master just wait a little bit yeah. guy. yeah, yeah exactly so that's a that's a great lesson so yeah and it was honestly like i gave him uh a document and i was like this is the number of like images that we're looking for and then I would give him like a paragraph for each one. So many times even a short paragraph. And it was like, I think all of the internal art that he did, I don't believe I had notes on a single one of them. He just basically gave them to me like done. And he's like, you know, I can change stuff. And I was just like, no, please don't. Yeah. You know, it was just like everything. Like the only thing was the cover. It was, I gave him an actual drawing that I did that was because I've got a background in art, but I'm not like him. Um, and so I made it was a, a little bit stick figurey, but not too bad. And I was like, this is what I want. And this is where this is going to go and all that kind of stuff. So I had it so that he had at least a, a starting point. And he took that and changed it because originally, like on the cover, there's like that pillar that's got the logo on it. And I wanted the logo to be actually like spray painted on the as opposed to just being a floating logo. Sure. I wanted it to be part of the scene. So I did that. And I, I drew that, but they were going to be kind of coming around the corner and that was going to be painted on the corner. Well, he put it in a pillar in the middle so he could kind of spread them out a little bit more. And I'm like, yep, exactly. But then the coloring, when he gave us kind of a thumbnail almost kind of view of it, like this is what I'm planning on doing and here's the colors. We just, it was like this middle, that, 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 that it was orange, basically, that uh, column that he was going around. I'm like, can we back that to mm. blue and change the color of the logo? And like her face needs a little bit of tweaking. Those are the only notes we had in the entire situation. Like kind of one round of feedback and you yep. were one and done. And the second one, he was just like, and it was done. Yep. So that's amazing. So, okay, like whenever I have any kind of concept work done, it's kind of like a one-off. I'll work with an artist for the first time. I like this stuff on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And it's like, here's what I want. Here are the references that, I, that I'm like looking at. Like when I watch films, when I'm like walking out in public, I'll it's take like a mood board. I take pictures and I, and I put it on a mood board. And then I use that mood board to like talk about concept art. So I get, I, I'm pretty like cranking down on on concept artists but it sounds like you're just giving them a word description and then once he figures out the vibe then it's like you're set him free because now he knows it's it's honestly with the last two it's i've seen their work and i just want more of that yeah like with with uh the artist empire thing i had seen the stuff he was already doing on twitter with like all these different like you know 40k and whatever kind of models and i'm like I just want our models to be in that same thing. Just do that same thing that you do, but just just do it here. Mm-hmm. And with um, with Will's work after after reading uh, his book Grenade and looking at it, I'm like, I know that when I say this is what I want, I know what I'm going to get because this is his like default. Like he's making this kind of crazy looking stuff, and just everyone's got pouches and grenades and all yeah, kinds of stuff all yeah. over. And and he was really interested as well. He was like, let's like because when I told him the the concept. He was very much like, yeah, I really want to do that. And he's been honestly since launch, like yesterday or whatever, he has been 
sharing it on Twitter and just interacting with people and just tons and tons and tons of stuff because he's, he's got advocate. a good size. Yeah, he's got a big uh, Twitter following as well, and so that was really helpful. Yeah. So yeah, it worked out nice. So John, if you were to hypothetically interact with a, a concept artist for like a character for a miniature, how would you operate? Would you want more creative control or less creative control? I I think. One aspect that I'm getting from Adam here that I think is the most important thing is you already have to love their style. Absolutely. So you know what you're getting into and you're not expecting them, you know, to give you an orange when they're a banana tree. That's a bad analogy. But <laughs> I think uh, I, I think that like I I want to have my core vision where I see it in my head, but I want it with their style, right? Yeah. I think that's what I'm hoping. To. I think that's exactly how I feel as well. Yeah. I have an idea for a thing and I want you to make it, but I, I see all your other art and I want it just to be flavored by that art. It goes right. through your filter, right? Well, yeah. and you're going to find people both in illustration, uh, in 3D sculpting, stuff like that, who like, if this person only ever does awesome looking demons, just demons all day long, cool, crazy monsters for D&D yeah. &D and stuff like that, and you're like, what I'm looking for is a robot. And then... They might just really need the money or whatever, and they'll be like, okay, but they may not be very good at robots, yeah. which is why they don't do them when they're doing their own work. Right yeah. And they're not job. showing it in their portfolio because it's not stuff that they're super proud of. Yeah. So finding someone who does awesome robots, that's the person you want to do robots. Yep. Finding people who do awesome demons, like that kind of stuff. And knowing, sure. be, I think that's part of the art director job is to be able to know who the right person is to do the right thing. Yeah. That's really a big deal, I think. And that's just come from, I don't know, me being old, I guess, and me being in the business for a while. No, yeah, it's a great, it's another great lesson to learn is like you need to hire the right people. Like the yeah. first, the very first piece of concept art that I made was for a, a wraith. And I hired someone who I was like, man, this guy does awesome things on Instagram, but he doesn't do concept art. And so 80% of the character was just mired in indistinguishable texture, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. cobwebby stuff, bits of chain mail. And it's like, no sculptor is going to look at that and know what the fuck to do with it. Right, exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The concept is about following it like almost to the T, right? Mm -hmm. That's the, it is like, it is the roadmap for your model. And I was right. like, okay, I learned a lesson right there. Sure. Wrong person, wrong job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so one important thing about uh, Space Station Zero, I think that I've kind of understood from you guys is it, it's accessibility, not only in like how people interact with the games and the rules, uh, to like even the cost of the game. Right. So yeah. Could you could you talk to that and like what you made, what considerations you had? Yeah, I mean, since the first game, we've always been looking at it, and I say this all the time, and Vince does as well, that we're both um, bad capitalists. Which is to say, not that we're evil capitalists; is we're just bad at capitalism. You're bad at making money. Yeah, mm -hmm. but we're doing some. We're doing fine. We're just fine. But yeah. we don't need to be like, oh, well, we could be making three times as much money. Like that's just not the point. So when we released the first game, that was like sixty-four pages, and it was a ten-dollar PDF, mm. and the print version was like fifteen bucks plus shipping. This new game is twice as thick. It's all, well, just shy. It's one hundred and twenty-four pages, so it's just about four pages shy, being twice as thick as the first game but we only raised the price like three bucks. So mm -hmm. it's like 13 bucks or 18 bucks. And in both situations, if you buy the print version, you get the PDF for free because we're like, like the functionality, we use this company called Wargame uh, Vault. That's who does the fulfillment for all of our stuff. And we like working with them. You know, they take 30% just straight up. It's not, it's not hidden or anything like that. But we don't have to deal with chargebacks and customer service and hope I mean, my book showed up and it's all screwy or whatever the problem, like that's always taken care of. We don't have to worry about they, they do all the print on demand, like all of it is awesome. So it's mm. great working with them and it's been fine. Um, but the one thing is that like we see lots of people on that system who are like, well, the book costs this much and the PDF costs this much. And so the book and the PDF cost 
add them together. And I'm like, and then other people are like, well, you, you get a bundle deal if you do the both of them together. And we're just like, or we could just give you the PDF because you bought the book. It's just, yeah, it's a little extra. Again, it's making it more accessible. The other benefit to doing it that way is you get a lot more people who a, then buy the book, but then they also know they got the instant gratification of now I can read the uh, PDF until the book shows up. That's a huge value. So yeah, that works really well. And again, we're just like, you know, people have asked us like, well, why do you do the insides in black and white when the color is covered? Like you could do the, you know, the, the insides in color and stuff like that. And we're like, yeah, the book would be twice as expensive just cost wise. Yeah. Because it is printed digitally. It's way cheaper for them to do it black and white than it is to color on the inside. Plus then the illustrator has to then do everything in color, which is going to cost more. When you tell an illustrator, just do this in black and white, they're like, oh, sweet, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, just, I have to get so much of my rest of the business out of the way. Yeah. Um, and so it kind of works well that way. Um, but we also just want the game to be accessible to people you know we we don't want the game to be something where you're like well you got to use these miniatures you know Mm -hmm. um you got to use this money many miniatures like there are games out there where they're like well basically for this scenario you need 12 knolls and then you need four robots and then you need six of these things and all kinds of stuff like that and your average person's like that's the you know so we're kind of looking at from like you know, if you're playing a solo type game, we're going to put some robots on every scenario potentially and some mutants on every scenario and they're interchangeable and you can just keep bringing them out. You don't have to make ones different for every scenario. You don't have to have a ton of them. We're trying to tell a story and have you enjoy the game. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. not necessarily make it so like it's because I, I've seen people before and I've done this be myself, looked at games and been like, I'm interested in playing this game. I bought this game. I enjoyed reading it. I don't have the time to make that many NPCs or whatever. And that it can be an issue. So we're looking at it from always from that way. I'm, I'm constantly looking at it from like, how is the consumer being deserved and how can we fix that? Wow. That's kind of a thing. So like when you're looking at someone else's product, like with, with Kill Team, you, you picked up, oh, sorry, Necromunda, mm-hmm. you picked up on that. Okay, got to make the texture on the page lightweight so people right. can read yep. it. Like, yep. Obvious, but you wouldn't think about it until yep. someone said it kind of, right? Well, and the PDF thing too, there's people that are like, you know, you, you crank out like a really like, incredibly dense lots and lots of artwork and people are like that killed all the toner in my printer when i printed that thing and yeah. you're like that's why i keep mine on a ipad because then i can carry like you know with an ipad like 40 different rule sets but okay you want to print it that's cool yeah i mean a printer friendly version for certain rule sets is we've not thing. gone that far i just kind of like go well we're just going to make the initial one kind of printer friendly right, like there's yeah. a background texture but again it's real subtle okay so it won't eat up but yeah you know uh we've talked about doing complete like completely like no artwork, super printer friendly, but that's kind of like a, we've had people also be like, well, you should release a black and white version and a color version for want people who want it. And I'm like, cool. Then I get to lay it out twice or whatever. you know. <laughs> um, and that's a thing that we haven't really, again, it's literally just me and Vince and then whoever we contract for art and stuff like that. But um, I don't think you'd have to lay it out twice because you just lay it out in color and then. Well, but you have to do all the, well, e- sometimes it's, it has to do with the way that the book, there's like different, ink densities because the inside of that book is actually ink jetted it's not laser huh. printed it's actually ink jetted wow it's a crazy uh, process but it doesn't like get wet and like bleed or anything like that but yeah when yeah. i first found out i'm like no this is laser printed they're like no it's ink jetted i'm like no kidding it does not so seem like the cheaper option all kinds of yeah it's there's all kinds of weird rules that we have to do to make it so that the densities are right one of the big things is when you first send them the file then they like make you print a version of it and then you have to sign off on it. And the first mm-hmm. version that we ever did of Rain and Hell, we got it back in like all these like cool, like really spooky background symbols and stuff like that. All that stuff was gone because <laughs> it was like it said at 13% transparency. Yeah. And actually, I just had to bump it up to 18 and then it was actually seeable. So it was right. going through and having to fix all that stuff. And now in the second game, knowing that ahead of time, 
we didn't have any real problems. There was like a couple of pictures that got a little dark, so I just tweeted. Numbers locked away already. Yeah, exactly. So you you are so gung-ho about accessibility to the point where it sounds like you sacrifice your own vision for the game to make it more accessible. Because I, I, I kind of glean from your personality that you'd prefer to have it in color. You'd prefer to make it maybe nice and, and wonderful, but you're like, I think for this sake, for price it's, sake. Yeah, to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly... There's also a big part of me that remembers when I played D&D in fifth grade and all those books were black and white on the inside. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, and there's and, and Battletech in middle school, like that book was like a sad, saddle stitch staple on the edge, like cardstock cover that was literally two colors, like black and red, you know what I mean, on white, high tech, and the insides were all black and white. And for me, I don't, you know... It'd be great to make something that really, really, really somebody's just like, this is such a lovely book and it's awesome. And we're like, but then you're talking about 50 bucks. And we're like, but what if we just made it something yeah. cheap that you could have fun? It's a cool game. Eventually, we may try to make books that are somehow like, I don't know, really fancy or like, you know, something that is really a, a thing that you really want to hold in your hand and all that kind of stuff. And these books are still, yeah, you know, they're still, it's fun. It's, it's, it's cool. And people are really enjoying it and it doesn't like feel bad or anything. To me, it honestly, like when they first started doing print on demand, print on demand was super janky. And now it's really, really, it's almost indiscernible from like non um, print on demand. I just don't want a basement full of books. You know right, what I mean? Like yeah. all that stuff. I mean, like, sure, it would it be cheaper per unit for us to get 10,000 of them made or 5,000 of them made and then do the fulfillment ourselves and all that stuff? Sure. But Vince and I both got three jobs already. So fulfillment is not going to be job four for us, you know? And mm, um, yeah. it's just a situation where at this point it works out well. Like, we were already, we've been kicking around the idea of making some sort of like kind of in between. You know, like we make a game every year is the plan, but maybe we make a real short game in between, but we make it just PDF only. But it's like, it's formatted to be like a zine format. So you print it like, you know, half on them and then you fold it and staple it and all that kind of stuff. Those are just really cool. And it would be a much shorter book. We're talking 20 to 24 pages or something like that. And then, you know, produce those for inexpensive the upside to that is that, you know, you just print it yourself if you want to or don't, whatever. We don't mm-hmm. care. But it's just making kind of fun. It's, it'd, be, it'd be kind of weird ideas that we know aren't going to necessarily sell as well. Right. Like we're not More experimental. Terrible, yeah. We're not completely terrible capitalists. There's like, hey, let's put all of our time and energy into this game that only you and I want to play. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, we want to spread it out a little bit, but still, yeah. Yeah. Well, we're coming to the end of our time here, but I want to ask you one last question. What is the thing you are most proud of about Space Station Zero? It can be the dumbest thing, like a font choice, or the <laughs> biggest thing, like a specific rule that you had an idea for. What is it? I think that it is a, a combination of the logo and the cover. Um, like, I had this idea, and I wanted this kind of spray paint aesthetic, so I used it in titles all throughout the book. And my idea was, these people are sort of stuck on this space station, and they're going to just start... I mean, like, people have been tagging graffiti since the caveman days, like on the inside of caves <laughs> and stuff like that. So that's going to happen a bunch in this. And plus, it kind of, like, itches that kind of punk rock aesthetic, which I'm, uh, you know, a fan oh, of yeah, as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To some degree, but also sci-fi. So the idea to have the... Because when I was ex- originally plan- explaining it, I had like two versions of the logo, one that was spray painted and the one that wasn't. And I showed him both to Vince and he's like, I kind of like the this one that's not spray painted. I kind of like that better. I'm like, and I explained him like, this one's going to be spray painted like on a wall on the cover of the book. Like it's just part of the artwork, but it's also the logo of the game. And he's like, oh, now I like that one better. Yeah. So I was like, yeah. yeah. And it, it worked out real nice. So I was, I was kind of glad to get that done. Yeah. That, that cover is absolutely beautiful. That's that, great. It's that great. was, I had an immediate like, 
reaction Mm -hmm. when I first saw it and held it. And when you're talking about accessibility a bit ago, I think that having a book that has that accessibility or people want to pick it up and the approach that you guys have taken as a company to just say, here's how cheap it is to have the PDF and the physical book. If more people will pick up the physical book, even as, as they're playing the game, they're using the PDF because it's a conversation piece. Yeah. And if that's how to get a friend interested or to show them or yeah. whatever, yeah. that's that's really important. And that's the problem with a lot of these games. And you have this big, thick, glossy 60-buck book that it's like, yeah, I mean, this seems cool, but I, I got to buy the book first and right. and maybe try it. And who knows if I'm going to like it or not. It's like how many more people could be playing your game yep. if it's like, yeah, I, I have my PDF or whatever. You want to borrow the get book from me for a couple of days, whatever, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. come back. Yeah. I think it's really cool. So I don't know how the hell you, how you guys are going to keep up a game a year, but just <laughs> you, you can take a break, you know, you can take a breather. We're we're considering for next year that the game is going to actually come out earlier in the year We're because I, I run a little tiny mini convention in wisconsin uh-huh. yeah. uh, and vince had the idea he's like what if we release it the day before that convention so that if people come to the convention they could buy a print version right away because we would have already ordered some oh, ahead of time and stuff and i'm like that's a pretty cool idea if you want to project manage and make it so that we have deadlines because he's way better at that than i yeah. am so if he wants to do that i'm willing to start working well we like i said we've already started working on next sure. year's game already so we could go down that road but um, we are then making here is an actual deadline as opposed to like we can slide stuff. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's another challenge to come over. That's Absolutely. Pretty, that's pretty cool. Well, I guess the way that you guys do it too, where it's like it's in halves and the first half it's heavy lift Vince, second half heavy lift you. That means that there can be some overlap. Yeah, yeah. And Vince is on his, his lighter side. He can maybe start the ball rolling on some stuff in his yep. the next book. So it's not just like the day after this book comes out the new game work has started. There's probably a bit of right. overlap. Yeah, yeah. You know that? Yeah. In a conscious... So I, I have one more thing. I know yeah. you said the last question. Um, is the reason you got into this, mm-hmm. into to game making, is does this scratch a certain itch for you, either as a gamer, as an artist, mm-hmm. as someone that's just really passionate about the hobby that you haven't experienced elsewhere or it... It's kind of you kind of experience it in other aspects of your life, but this is kind of like pulling them together. Or, or it's a thing that I want to see in the industry. I want to see more indie stuff out there because, uh-huh. like, we all know the Games Workshop and, and other big companies as well kind of dominate the entirety yeah. of the of the industry to some degree. And I think that people look at the industry and think it's just this one thing. Yeah, but it's so many different things, and it can be so many. Like people ask us, like, "Oh, well, so what's the first expansion you're coming out with for this game?" And we're like, "We're not really planning any expansions. Like, we're not." Yeah. And they're like, "Oh, so the game's a dead game?" And we're like, "No, that's not how it works. Like, the game, <laughs> the game was available. It'll be available online to yeah. buy from now on. We don't have. We won't run out of a printing because it's yeah. print on demand. Like, these are all the whole reasons we're going this direction. And the idea that you know this is something." Like, there are people out there that are like, I only want to play one game. And I'm like, cool. But there are also people out there who like more than just one flavor of ice cream or, right. you know what I mean? So they want to play, like, I like to play Zona Alpha. I like to play Space Weirdos. I like to play Planet 28. I like to play Stargrave. Yeah. You know, I like to play fantasy stuff. I like to play Warcry. So I'm playing stuff from big multi-billion dollar companies to $5 zines from a guy who lives here in Minnesota. Uh, you know, uh, Garski Games is um, uh, Space Weirdos. And it's an awesome little just... I printed it out and I got one of those fancy staplers for printing, you know, stapling on the, and it's just, it's so much fun. Like him doing that is making me like, oh, we should do a zine. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Right. You know what I mean? And so 
it's an it's it's a creative thing, but it's also what I want to see out in the industry. Yeah, wonderful. I, I think that's really interesting because I never even thought about it this way. But in in relation to video games, mm-hmm. where there, there's two things that I'm drawing a connection to. First of all, the the rise in popularity uh, and redefining what an indie game means for video game industry, yep. and some of the most amazing um, games from the last like five years are made by one or two people. Yeah. And they're just like, they're simplistic, but they're beautiful and they do a thing really, really well. So I think that's really interesting to to push for that and will only make all of the hobby more valuable, right? And, and it, whether you're you're putting pressure on bigger companies, whether you're just opening people's eyes, whether they're setting expectations. Yeah. Um, and the last thing I thought about, because um, I, I hear that comment too, about a, a game is dead, well, a game's not supported, blah, 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 blah. It's like, you know, when I was a kid, I got Super Mario Brothers 3 for the Nintendo. And it was, uh, you know, you just got the cartridge, you got there, got your Mario, you put it in there, and then Nintendo went home. I can go home today, and I can play, play Super Mario game. Brothers 3, mm-hmm. and guess what? There's no downloads. No DLCs, no patches, nothing. No, no yeah, updates, yeah. no, no well, tweaks. That's not to say that we're not doing FAQ and stuff yes. like that. We're still supporting, obviously, that way, but we just don't see it as being like we have to build an ecosystem to go forward. Yes. There's other companies doing that. We want to do a different thing. Yeah. You can yeah. play a second edition fantasy if yeah. you want. Absolutely. Yeah. If a game is really good and you have somebody that excites you to play with it, or even like Space Station Zero, solo options, mm-hmm. yeah. you this can happen indefinitely. And and we're always worried about where do I spend my money? I, I want them to support it forever. So I know if I spend $18, that this $18 needs to both be the most valuable $18 I've spent in my entire life. And then this $18 will equal 72,000 hours of enjoyment for me. It's like, mm-hmm. that's not how we live our lives any other in any other capacity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Enjoy something, have fun, invite a friend to it. Thank you, Adam. Adam, thank you for coming. Yeah. Uh, you can find information about Space Station Zero down in the description where you can find the PDF and also the soft cover book. You can buy both as a combo for 18. 18 bucks plus shipping. You can buy the PDF for just 15. 13. 13. So it's super cheap. It's a great game. We're going to actually test it out on stream. In like 30 minutes. Yeah. Uh, there'll be a VOD of that up on the VOD channel if you want to check it out as well. See if the game is for you. Also, there's a there's a battle report already down there. Link there below as well. Yeah, so Vince's battle that report. Right that was another thing we learned from the last game. We didn't, the first game we didn't launch with a battle report. People were like, where's the battle report? So, like, um, there you go. Yep. Learn, All right. Live and learn. Check. Back to the news section. Hey, Scott, you're a fan of games with really inspiring terrain that lets you like imagine the world around you in the battlefield, right? I feel like that's a loaded question. No one would play a game that wouldn't allow for making your own badass terrain. Oh, it was more than a loaded question. It was a lead-in question about today's sponsor, The Old Keep. A collection of 3D printable fantasy buildings that feature innovative printing solutions, modularity, and a classical vibe. The Old Keep features two core buildings that can stand alone or assemble into a full stronghold, but what makes them great is how much detail and customization options they have. Not only can you make each print look different, but also the buildings connect in a wide variety of ways to create whatever Frankenstein monster of a building you can imagine. Additionally, the prints are optimized for both resin and filament printing. Scenic Play went so far as to use the latest and greatest in FDM sizing technology, such as the Arachna algorithm, to allow for much better resolution with your filament prints. The classical aesthetic means that these buildings will fit into any fantasy game you play. They print wonderfully on both FDM and resin printers with no hassle or extra prep work from you. The campaign for the old keep is live now, but don't delay it because it'll be wrapped up soon. There's over 20 unique models already unlocked to customize your old keep. 
head on over to the Kickstarter campaign linked in the description below today. If you're hearing this ad sometime after the campaign has ended, you can find the miles over at scenicplay.com. A big thank you to Scenic Play, the company that brings us the old keep, for allowing us to play with our little toys the way they were meant to be played in and around buildings while we ourselves are in and around real buildings. Wow, yeah. You can find their campaign linked in the show notes and description below. Thank you to Scenic Play for sponsoring this portion of today's episode. Out of the news, what we got here, we got Willie Hanna crushing it. Yeah, Big Willie Hanna, a.k.a. Big Willie style, okay? Big Willie went to Nova Open, and he's like, I like painting minis. I think I'll win all the minis. Yeah. So he uh, painted a bunch of amazing models that tended to win uh, best in show for each category. Okay, because you can still do that in Nova. Even though it's an open system, there's also still a, this best, person's the best. Best in category, yeah. Best in category. For the people that got gold, at least for Masters, I don't know if they did this for the other categories or not, but for Masters, you get a gold, silver, or bronze, and you're not judged against anybody else you're judged against the rubric of what congregates that's not the right word to use here gold <laughs> silver and bronze correlates to was the word i was trying for but then there's also like of the golds the best so there's i think there are six categories and will Hahn took four of the six as the best in category and then john margiota got mm. best in category for his unit and uh, a young man by the name of, of Vincent uh, Venturella. Oh, um, who's this up and comer? Yeah, I, I don't know. He's he's you know he's got a chip on his shoulder. He's you know he's got one shoe on only. I don't understand what he does, but uh, he won with his uh, like the large model, large sci-fi model with his knight, House Divine Knight. Is that what it is? I think. Yeah. Okay. Very nice. Very and then nice. Will also won best in show for the. The creepy lady with the hood with the bloody dagger, and she's on the marble thing. Bloody dagger on the marble thing? You really like this. She's like a witch. It is a big, like, triangle hood. Oh, yes. Okay. He had the he painted the full figure of yes, that. Witch horn. Figure. Witch horn. Witch horn. Guinea horn. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's, All right, that's awesome. an inside joke. Um, <laughs> big Willie style. I'll tell you the inside joke next time I see you. Um, so congrats to everybody there and congrats to, to gr the great Willie Hanna, John Margiota, Vinci V for their best in categories. <laughs> what do you got? What do you got for me from the news? The Scott? next thing I got for you is Roman Lapot is making these, uh, paint pot sticker labels that are meant as a bit of a gag for you to replace your other labels on paint pots just to, to be a little bit of fun. And here are some of the. Uh, colors that you can adorn your paint pots with genital piercing osl brown dwarfs arse goblin herbs dungeon atmosphere intim piercing whatever that is voodoo dark bat <laughs> that does it. yeah dark bat <laughs> grandma's candy okay so i, I mean it's, it, it's fun if you want to spice up your painting life a little bit and just you don't you care much stickers downloaded for free yeah, i don't i think you gotta buy them now available with his etsy oh, okay so you okay. get the stickers and then you just stick them right on in german or english okay so they come in both different kinds i think it'd be hilarious if i got them in german so not only would <laughs> i not know what It'd just be totally like, meaningless. What grandma's candy in German is now I'd know, and then I'd be able to say it. <laughs> yeah, um, it's like something bon bon. You know, I never thought of of Roman the Pot as a man with a 
a, like a sizable sense of humor, but I, I may be wrong. Yeah, I mean, yeah, his his website is called Massive Voodoo. He refers himself as a big ape in the you know the jungle. That's where he paints. So yeah, you got a little bit of, a little bit of comedy. Sure, okay. I can I look forward to the day I get to meet him in person, and then uh, I, I see what kind of jokester he really is. I think I'm scared of that day. You know? Yeah, maybe maybe it's gonna be like meeting God a bit. Uh, yeah. I mean. German God. German God. Yeah. German painting God. Yeah. So yeah, check those out. Link down below. Get yourself some stickers, yo. Um, next one, we're going to talk about the Warhammer Alliance. It's a program helped to introduce younglings, a.k.a. children, uh, <laughs> to the hobby. It's a brand new resource pack, which includes paints, brushes, dice, building materials, and models. This is their, like, you know... Uh, how to get kids to smoke cigarettes under the age of 18. And the key is <laughs> you create fun flavors. <laughs> <laughs> like grandma's candy. <laughs> um, and get so, them while they're young. Yeah, get them hooked. Or younglings. You know, like, yeah. Let's talk about the word younglings for a bit. If you wanted to imply a young dwarf, you would say beardlings. You wouldn't say younglings. That's like double the thing, right? I think I'd just say pinglings. Yeah, pinglings. <laughs> Ping-ponglings. <laughs> I think this is pretty sick. You know, we obviously give GW a bunch of shit for a bunch of different things they, they do, and we'll do that later in this episode, <laughs> in this very segment. Um, but uh, this is cool. Like, I mean, yeah, it's it's a smart business move uh, to invest in, in younger people. Um, I mean, even in like YouTube videos itself, videos that are uh, angled at more of a younger audience will do well because there's a lot of people on the platform consuming that. Yeah. And so I'm assuming that maybe a similar thing is true for most products. Right. Um, I hope they cool. do this. And I don't know the details of like just if this is just on the shelf in any 40 year old neckbeard could go buy them. <laughs> but I would, I, in my ideal world, this is something like a Happy Meal, right? Where like <laughs> a very expensive Happy Meal. I mean, like, you know, because you, you go to McDonald's because the kids want to go to McDonald's. Yeah. yeah kids yeah. have terrible taste in food. <laughs> so they just like, I want the McNuggies, mom. And so they get you in there for your $5 Happy Meal. But then mom just whores out her mouth to McDonald's. <laughs> and she gets that Big Mac and the double fries and the 64 ounce of sugar water. And they're like, we got them. Okay. So I, I'm like, I don't know what to do with anything. <laughs> but the point is, I just said your mom whores out her mouth. Yeah, you did. You did. Let me take that. Let me, let me take the mic away from you right now. So basically, I guess what you're saying is, like the the idea gets the kid into the store, and then when the kid's in the store with the parent, it's like okay, now I'm spending all the money because I'm here, I'm here now, and I'm gonna whore up my wallet. <laughs> I uh, I think I more meant it a little bit more altruistically, and uh, than it came out, but like I want this to be cheap so you can get more kids that don't have a lot of money or parents that don't want to spend $60 for these five little dudes. Yeah, but it's to be able to get into it. It can't be cheap. It's it's such a, it's such a gigantic box. You know what you know what their profit margins are. See, but the, the problem is then they can't control that, right? Because they just sell them on the internet or it's like now the value of all those models like shoots straight down and like they're never going to sell a box of those whatever's in that box ever again because they're it affects the market in a ton of different ways. I hope that it's still like reasonable. Like they they chop their profit margin by a noticeable amount to at least. The point is to get kids to play, and kids don't have a lot of money. Wait, are you saying that this is cheaper? Do you know the price of this thing? I don't know, but okay. I'm, I would guess. I would guess that it's it's at a, at a bare minimum 
at a, the margin of a start collecting box, but I'd like to think it's even going to be less. Okay. Someone will, once it's all kind of divulged, we'll, someone will spread that info, but anyway. Okay. All right, we've got Nova. Obviously, Nova happened often at big conventions. GW will drop some kind of new models on us. They dropped the man, the myth, the legend, Horus on us. And uh, it's looking it's looking like a, a good deviation from the sculpt, the original resin. Uh, I especially like the face. I think the face is really cool. Yeah, I've, since you and I both have recently painted the Forge World resin versions of Primarchs, um, looking at this, I'm like, Oh, that looks so much more fun to paint than... It does and it doesn't. It's yeah. still got the whole Chaos Warrior trim on every single yes. panel thing. That was a problem. It's just the sheer amount of, of no square millimeter is free of details on these fuckers' armor. Yeah, but like his so. face is nice. And like the... Nice. There's just, there were so many hard edges. Everything came to like a point yeah uh, even like like the points above his like his on his brows like kind of like they're like pointy um so it's like it's nice to have some rounded things some good soft vol- volumes here um a nice solid face um but yeah those those four drill minis were a little it's like everything's designed to be edge highlighted next uh we have a reveal of the new infinity battle box called operation blackwing um releases to gen pop after being up for pre-order at gen con so you could pre-order this at gen con this was i think one of those weird things there was like the showing you off a product and an excited box thing there but you can't get it you can't buy it <laughs> yeah um and it features aleph and hak islam factions as a hak islam uh interested player uh this this box is, is looking spicy if you're a hak islam player does that make you a hockey sock yeah it does that's part nice. of the official rules of infinity nice nice yeah i look at these models and i'm like ooh, these would be nice uh space station zero models <laughs> yeah no shit actually definitely yeah uh next thing here we got mantic with a little kings of war update it's not a new addition to the rules but they're bridging the gap between 3.5 e and what other people want which is smaller games under a thousand points and bigger games over a thousand points three thousand points sorry and also siege games so they're they're kind of adding in some flavor to the uh the fourth edition uh uh, it's, sorry, it's not 4th edition, to the 3.5 edition rule set. Yes. Next, another new mini just uh, teased by Games Workshop, and this is this is a bit of me. This is a new hero for the Slaves to Darkness, and I have often said that like, my favorite models in Age of Sigmar are, uh, what are those fuckers, and I forgot what they're called, the guys in the giant horses. Van- Varengard. Varengard, yeah. Varengard, yeah. and this guy looks like the, Varig- the Varengard's like uncle like it's been there oh yeah okay i was gonna say big daddy but yeah uncle works too it's like uncle rico (laughs) speaking of uncle rico i just watched napoleon dynamite oh man there's this last week (laughs) dude if if a week goes by do you say i watched napoleon dynamite i'm like it's a good week wasn't it (laughs) yeah it was a good week (laughs) yeah so this guy just looks awesome this paint job i don't understand it at all i my eyes struggled to figure what i'm looking at but if i squint them and i look at the dudes like chest and head and weapon and shit Mm. banana sweet yeah, that helmet is amazing. Lots, lots of TMMs going on. So yeah, not a there's a lot of visual noise. I guess you could say good model though. Good model, Eternus. That's his name. The first prince, blade of the first prince. Uh, okay, a little bit of drama. Drama. Uh, there's a new Warhammer Quest Curse City expansion called Night Wars, featuring some neato vampires. Uh, for our boy, the Tickler. That's me. I'm the Tickler. Ah, uh, that's you. Thanks, James, uh, for flaming me in my own news section. <laughs> 
Uh, but the thing is, James, it doesn't exactly feature new vampire models. John, hit him with it. What the fuck's going on in this box? So this box, which costs, I think, somewhere between forty and sixty dollars. I'm gonna say forty. There's no way it costs less than forty, but I saw it somewhere. Whatever. You don't get any models with it. It's a bunch of cardboard. You get a bunch of cardboard and some cards that like a new campaign thing that rolls out that uses these new uh, models like Felbats and a bunch of different named heroes from uh, Soulblight Grave Lords like the Vampire Lord, like Lady Anika, like the Rat Prince. And you don't get any of those models, actually. Yeah. So you get yeah. to pay $40 for some cardboard. And then if you price out what buying those models would be for you to add them to your game, that will cost you $250 MSRP to actually get the models to play the game that you play with models. Yeah, and like the game itself already costs some $200. Yes. This is honestly genius. <laughs> it makes it seem like you're getting the value in this box, which should cost like $10, but will definitely cost like 30 or 40 or 50. Yes. And you got to buy 250 bucks worth of other models. You have to immediately buy Felbats and Raducar the Beast. That's what you have to start with. And then it's like, oh, and then as you discover more models throughout the campaign, you can pick them up at your local store. And it's like, Bleh. come on, man. This they, is, uh, they, this is wild. they brought attached one motherfucker. Like, they should have brought the cursed dude. The dude, the new awesome ass vampire that's got a book about oh, him. Oh, uh, like, Ezekiah or whatever. Make him a goddamn hero in the game. Include him in this box. Charge like. Eighty dollars? I'm in for that. I know that's a terrible price. That's no better. Yeah, <laughs> I, but I would do it because I got an awesome model. Yeah, I get no models with this. Yeah, that's this feels bad, man. It feels and it feels like it goes against what they know their business model to be, which is like people don't buy these largely to play; they buy them for the models. So why am I making a product that has no models in it? Yeah, it, it, the only thing that makes any sense in my brain why they went about this. One is like one, they want to actually see if this will work and please, please, God, make it not work for them <laughs> business from a business perspective, because I don't want this to be a way they, they move forward. I want to buy the all inclusive thing that includes the, the plastic crack. But um, the other thing I think is might be more likely is leaning back to all the issues with the first run of, of Chris City and all the issues with um, them getting shipments in and all the stuff with China. And I think because everything got logjammed, um. that it's likely that those models, which were not yet out yet for Soulblight Grave Lords, um, were going to be packaged in with this. But now they already exist because they they couldn't stop the train. They got to keep the Age of Sigmar. And you think this is a band aid? Yeah, it was like it. Well, it was planned that the models would go with there. Because if you look at the timeline of when Curse City came out and then when Soulbright Gravelords was like announced, and originally it was supposed to be a bigger gap than there was, but it was still like six months. And so there was time in there for that they could have like timed it with the expansion, comes out when Soulbright Gravelords comes out, the models will be in that box, blah, 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 blah. But obviously now they're like, well, it's so late to the party. It's maybe not worth it. I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm trying. That's a possibility. And maybe that's happening. And if so, I take back every every bit of flaming I just did. Not every bit. Just kidding. <laughs> I take back none, none of it. All right, moving on here. What's what's next on the old list? 
Um, that's John's uh, the sound effect of John's brain. Okay, working. two player. I got a. I have a joke here, he's so got a, he's I got a we, steam we engine do up there. This. It's the two player starter set of Bushido. So Bushido is like a samurai fighting miniatures game. <laughs> you know the joke before it's coming. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> and there's in this two player starter set is uh, they teased a release of Nagato which is a new house in the game, and they fight using hooked swords. So we were discussing hooked swords as we were looking through this new stuff prior to recording here. And, you know, we we came, we discussed that hooked swords is a real thing. Yeah. It's like, it's got a hook on the end so you can like grab things. It's like, it's like, like the crook in the old timey movies when like the person isn't funny and they bring the crook out of the stage and they like try to yeah it's like yoink off. yeah like you yank put it on your neck stage. and yeah you pull them yeah it's like a long cane kind of yeah like a long cane but like think if it was that but it was a sword yeah like, that would be scary Ouch. yeah but in the the model of the show it's actually got two of the swords like hooked together at the tips via the hooks and he's like whipping them around his head <laughs> and i'm like that's crazy i've never seen that before he's using the swords like fucking barrel of monkeys <laughs> it's so it's so apt it's the best way to describe what's going on with this model like who in their right mind would try to wield a weapon like that without just like decapitating yourself or somebody else yeah. i just figure i'm gonna swing it and eventually it's like gonna like the one's gonna like whip loose and it seems like grandma's over there like bringing in carrots for supper and it's like whoosh, 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 whoosh. <laughs> yeah, dead. damn it i think it's important for all games to have a two-player star set of some kind so you and a buddy can get into it so i'm not sure if this is their first one um but yeah it's a good thing to have if you like bushido check it out last thing kill team in the dark we thought it was going to be space hulk kill team it isn't it's like some kind of another form of human v crew all right yeah okay it's cool you know kill team's cool it's uh there, here's more of it now more kill team, new models. Um, pretty cool. Okay. Yeah. If you like the, if you like I am Crute, then you'll like these. There you go. If you like generic uh, sp- space security guards, you'll like these. Boom. I mean, they're not generic. They're pretty cool. But yeah, they are. They're they're cool. Paul Blarts. They're they're cool, but they're also humans. And it's like part of me is like, why do you why why would you want to play humans in a sci-fi or fantasy setting when you can play fucking demons you know or whatever you want um or you can play superhumans yeah or like vampires like come on who's who's picking humans here yeah i'm gonna go with the weird what are crutes anyway are they are they reptiles yeah I w- they're definitely got reptile vibes. i mean there's th- from space so they're really not anything but i feel space like space reptiles like every every kind of alien that is like comes from the imagination of a human has a relation to something that we know. Mm. Okay. It could be something as amorphous as a jellyfish, but still it's like, Oh, you kind of look at that. It's like, Oh, it's kind of based on the jellyfish. You know, there's like crab aliens and there's fucking monkey aliens, mm. all sorts of aliens. I look at crude. I'm like, yeah, it's kind of a dinosaur alien. Yeah. Raptor alien. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. That had nothing to do with anything. That is our news. My wife is here. What up? All right. Welcome to the end of the podcast. We made it. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with uh, Uncle Adam about how art can impact a game. I know that we had a lot of fun uh, chatting with him. Uh, yeah. Well, anything, any parting words before I shill my brains out? I think Adam's a nice guy and I love all of his cats equally. If you like the podcast and Adam's cats and you want to support just the podcast, <laughs> there are free ways and non free ways to do it. Uh, some free ways are I 94. 
But other freeways are. Other, other freeways are. Road jokes. <laughs> that's, my favorite, that's my favorite brand of humor, dude. Road jokes. Uh, some freeways are sharing the podcast with your nerd friends, giving us a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Um, also, you can watch the episodes on YouTube after whitelisting our channel. There are several add-ons for the various browsers that allow you to whitelist YouTube channels. It makes you watch our ads every 30 minutes. If you got some cash to spend, you can spend it on our Patreon, which gets you access to an extended episode of the podcast wherein we talk about models that we love from other painters that we have uh, saw in the last two weeks. We talk about new things we've tried in the hobby, techniques, tools, and how we've experimented and failed with them. And we also give feedback to one of our patrons. So as a patron, you can supply your models for feedback. And also you can supply topics for us to discuss. And we often use those for our episodes. Lastly, you can buy our merch, which you can find on Teespring. Linked below in the show notes and description. That's all for now. God, you've done that like a hundred times now. Do you feel like... And you always talk about it. Yeah. You're always like, God damn, you are... Just like a, a husk of a human. <laughs> you, I just sit and listen to you, and I'm just like, man, he's really good at saying those four sentences. <laughs> anyway. I had a lot of practice. Thank you, goody peepees, for being you. We like you just the way you are. And we'll see you on the flippity. <laughs>